Hello everyone, it's Thursday the 4th of August and welcome to episode 116 of the Kite Podcast with me, Will Evans. And me, Ben Eagle. Happy Farm 24 everyone, big Thursday. We are heading over the Irish Sea today uh, to discuss the latest emissions targets announced for the Republic of Ireland, which will mean an inevitable reduction in the size of the national herd. Last Thursday, Irish Environment Minister Eamon Ryan and Agriculture Minister Charlie McConnellog agreed that the agriculture sector must reduce its emissions by 25% over the next eight years. But what does this mean in practice for Irish farmers on the ground? Well, to find out, we are joined by Connor Mulverhill, who is Director at Dairy Industry Ireland. We're also joined by Kite's Managing Partner, John Allen, our podcast producer and senior consultant at Kite, Becky Leach, and as always, by everybody's favourite dairy market analyst, Chris Walkland. Chris, let's go over to you for the Milk Market Report. Where are you this week? Well, what a week. There's only one place to bring my report from, and that's from home, which is where football has obviously come to at last. I was so impressed with our ladies, in fact, that I'm formally changing my sex. You can do that these days, and from now on, I want to be known as Christine. Well done, us women, eh, Becky? You can always count on us to deliver and not cock everything up like the men. And our super summer of sport hasn't stopped yet. We've got the Commonwealth Games, and aren't we all doing well? England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland. But what about our guests' home country? What successes have they had on the sporting field? None that I can think of. But, lady and gentle listener, I have great news for Mr Connor and his countrymen. Because this morning I can announce a major global football tournament will be held in Ireland very soon. The first ever World Gaelic Football Championships. How exciting is that? And I have the draw for the teams. On the left-hand side of the draw, Ireland will be playing Ireland. Ireland will be playing Ireland. Ireland will be playing Ireland, and Ireland will be playing Ireland. And it's exactly the same for the right-hand side. Connor, your team looks like the hot favourite. You'll be putting a bet on, I guess. Anyway, I think we should keep talking about sport, because you might not want to know much about the markets, least of all the GDT. But we don't believe in letting our listener off lightly on this podcast. So you've got to take the pain. The index was down, I'm afraid, by another 5% this week, meaning it has lost 15% of its value in just three auctions. And it's the ninth auction out of 10 that has posted a decline. It's not the worst run by any stretch between February and October 2014. There were 14 losses out of 16, and the value of commodities nearly halved. And the same thing happened again in 2015. And this time, the average price dropped below $4,000 for the first time since last October. And whole milk powder is now at its lowest price since February 2021. So how bad is this? 
Well, the good news is it was expected. It wasn't a surprise and more declines are predicted as New Zealand's production rises to peak in the face of lacklustre buying demand from China. But the commodities convert into a milk price equivalent here of about 37 to 38p, so pretty rubbish. And it means the gap between the average non-aligned price and the GDT is now almost 10p. We've never had that before, and I don't think such a big gap is sustainable. But is everything bad on the market? Well, no, it isn't. None of the official butter prices from Dutch, German, from Netherlands, Germany and France fell this week. So I'm taking that as a positive. The Dutch price ticked up last week, you might remember, and has held this week. Uh, And again, on the real traded market, which is more up to date than those quotations, butter looks as if it has stabilized and creams up a fraction. On the futures for butter, they shot up last week, but have dipped in the EU this week. But again, not by much down 30 euros on average so up significantly on mid-july and the average over the next six months is 6900 they've crashed in in new zealand again though nothing would uh, prevent that given the gdt they're down another 250 euro equivalent Uh, On powders, skim milk powders has had its trousers around its ankles for several weeks now, and this is no different. Uh, Dutch was down another 100 euros this week. Um, And the futures, again, in a slight positive, they were stable this week. They didn't seem to move much either. In the UK, cream and butter, they're holding firm to cream about £2.80, still butter at 5.8 to 5.9, and spot milk at 50 to 55p. And cheese in Europe, well, that's also ticked up a bit, not a lot, perhaps only by half a percent this week, but nonetheless, that's better than a drop. So that's it from me, Christine. Now I've become a woman, I'm going to find lots of jobs to do for no reason whatsoever and a man to blame when things go wrong. I must also remember to be super attentive at all times and not just automatically reply, yes, dear, or no, dear, whenever my brain detects incoming spousal sound waves. And I must also learn how to develop what would normally be worthy of a grunt of an answer to a man into a five-hour conversation. With that in mind, perhaps I won't become a woman after all, Becky. Goodbye. Thank you, Chris. And and yeah, even even uh, myself as a Welshman, uh, I was thrilled for the England uh, women's team. So uh, congratulations to, to, to you all. It was fantastic. Connor, welcome back to the show. Um, we're here to discuss the Irish emissions targets today, which um, for agriculture means a reduction of a whopping 25%. Can you describe what your initial reaction was when you heard the news? 
Yeah, look, I, I suppose from our perspective as, as the kind of representative of the processing industry, we've been in heavy political combat on this for well over a year since the, the climate bill came through our parliament last year and gave us ranges. Um, just for those of your listeners, Ireland is committed to a 51% overall economy emissions reduction by 2030 and a net zero by by 2050, which isn't a million miles off what you have over there in the UK. So once that decision was made, I suppose the political back battle was what sections of the economy get what burden. And I suppose from our perspective, the same as the UK agri and dairy industries, we have been trying to explain to our political um, representatives the lack of technological solutions that currently are there for all agricultural emissions, but particularly for bovine emissions, and also, let's say, the economic costs and burden. So an example we did on last year, we had commissioned EY, the consultancy firm, to do economic impact assessments, because I think Ireland in common with your government as well has taken these targets with no impact assessments of any part of the economy. So we would have argued strongly, this is what we can do with available technologies. And that debate um, came out last year with a whole series of ranges for different sectors of the economy, which agriculture got the lowest, 22 to 30%, whereas energy got something like 60%. The battle that you have heard for your listeners last week was um, the chickens coming home to roost, to use an agricultural analogy, because legislation doesn't um, mean ranges. The legislation said that we had to have specific targets in each sector of the economy. And in a typical political fudge, somewhere halfway between 22 and, and 30 is 25. You could say it was a slight victory for the agri interests. But um, other sectors of the economy, like energy, got 75% reduction. Wow. So we, we might talk about them later. Yeah. And then, Connor, can you, can you just explain how the government came up with those target figures? Yeah, the, the, basically the, the, the economy has been divided into different uh, uh, emissions buckets. Um, agriculture being the main one in Ireland, where 30, and it's important to point it out because I think this debate is occurring in the UK as well, is the calculation of emissions is a huge issue. So obviously we use GWP 100 um, as our mechanism. So there's a lot of work, including by academics in the UK, actually, Professor Miles Allen, which I'm sure you're familiar with over, has long argued that emissions from bovines are absolutely overestimated in terms of warming potential, and that the agricultural communities in both, not just Ireland and the UK, but globally, should be very much arguing for a new mechanism of calculating methane. Ireland unlike the UK, never industrialized the way you did with heavy industries. So actually agriculture is, has always been our, our main industry. Uh, so therefore we have this massively outsized emissions um, percentage for agriculture, 37%. I think you're hovering around 11, 12, even less even, I think. Mm. So what that has meant, um, Bill, and, and, and Will, is that um, essentially, a lot of public discourse has been focused on, on um, agriculture. And it's, uh, there's been, an, I'll call it spade a spade, there's been a lot of climate shaming of farmers, 
in Ireland over the last year, and particularly in the last month or two as these targets were being negotiated. Um, so look, we'll, we'll, we'll have to work our way through that 25% was, it was a political fudge, to be honest, guys. Um, and that's how it worked out. Just going to say, it doesn't seem to matter um, the importance of the sector to your economy. We are still getting, uh, you know, environmental shaming over here. Yeah, but well, particularly dairy. And look, the first thing I would say is that we've doubled in size, as we've discussed previously in this podcast over the last decade since the end of quarters. Mm. So what I would say to, to, to my representatives and I suppose their farmer suppliers is we do have to own certain issues like you don't double the size of 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 your your dairy industry in a in a decade and not have environmental implications so yeah we'll we we do have to own certain issues particularly the dairy side and we have been like we've been doing lots of work on water quality joint emissions mitigation fertilizer change use uh biodiversity improvements etc but i i do think we have to do more so that's important, firstly, to say. But the other big issue is that in our economic assessment, we did a 51%, and it was essentially essentially having some Irish dairies worth about 13.3 billion to the Irish Republic of Irish economy. And that would have been essentially halved. There's moving around. So you're taking about 7 billion out of the economy a year, forevermore, if they were going to apply that 51%. Which, as he would, as he would uh, uh, kind of deduce, would have looked at having the Irish dairy herd by law, which just wasn't an acceptable proposition. Can I just make a point on that, Connor? And um, it was a political decision from your politicians to double the size of the Irish dairy herd. Correct. And now you've done it. They've decided, oh, perhaps that's not a very good di- idea after all. And they want to rewind on it. Uh, well, not everyone there's just like we have greens in government in ireland so they would take that position and um, the two centrist parties Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, totally stand behind the growth of the dairy industry and, and like we've been an engine we're the biggest native uh, element of the irish economy of those your listeners who know the irish economy with a lot of you know, multinationals pharmacy you know, uh, computers uh, software but if you strip them out in the foreign earnings, your Googles and your Facebooks and your Pfizers, what is keeping particularly rural Ireland going? It's the dairy industry uh, in, in the main perspective and maybe to a lesser extent beef and, and, and other agricultural industries. So um, we that's why we commissioned a third party report, Chris, um, to put a third party map on that and do an impact assessment. And as you probably see, and we would argue that 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 was successful in terms of explaining to politicians that doing an arbitrary, the same as a doubling of the herd, as you said, as a political decision, an arbitrary 51% emissions reduction was not going to be acceptable. Now, uh, can I just come in though? Chris, I I would uh, (laughs) actually, the Irish have been quite cute because what you've done is you've, you've doubled your business. And now you can take a 25% reduction. You're still bigger than you would have been 10, 15 years ago. So, I, I you know, I, I would have thought that was quite a shrewd move, actually, wasn't it, Connor? Yeah. Well, look, firstly, I, I would argue, John, that, that, that our position is to keep what we have at minimum. At minimum. 
and work. We've been doing huge strides, no more than our, our, our friends and colleagues in the UK as well, in terms of emissions intensity reduction. That has been ongoing for some time. And you see, that when you go to, to overall emissions reductions, be 25%, 51%, they're absolutely no good uh, if you're doing efficiency reductions because you're caught in this uh, uh, guiding lock of overall reductions. So what we have kind of looked at is we think it's probably the end of the growth of the Irish dairy herd. Let's, let's call it spade here. Um, we are probably maxing out anyway, um, depending on land and things like that. But remember, it's by far, and I, I'm not sure what the UK figures are, but it's by far the most profitable agri enterprise. Like your average Irish dairy farmer can, can in, at the latest figures are about €97,000 a year um, income. So that's what's that about you know, eighty thousand pounds a year, which is a really, really good middle class lifestyle you can rear a family on. So what is our objective? It's to retain what we have and strive to get to twenty five percent. Now we worked with Chagas, which is our state uh, agri science body, and we think we, with current technologies that eighteen percent of that is achievable in terms of fertilizer reduction. Genoping of the herd, genotyping of the herd to bring less methane, um, a whole range of other 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 kind of mitigations in what we call the MAC curve. Um, our challenge now is where's that extra seven percent going to come from? Or our herd cuts going to be imposed on us? Can I ask you, Connor, because I was in Scotland this week and. Uh, it's quite interesting when you look at, and you, you might have the same issue a little bit in Wales, uh, Will, but <clears throat> Scottish beef farmers are looking at converting to dairy. And actually, you know, in Ireland, I know the, the beef industry there, they were, very, they were very concerned 10 years ago when I was there about this switch to dairy. Um, you know, does, does this emissions reduction have to be from the dairy herd, or can't it be from the beef herd? And could you therefore maintain the dairy industry at the current scale by converting your beef herd or some of the land that's in the beef herd into dairy land? You know, does it always have to be dairy or across the whole board? So, yeah, it's a great question, John. Um, and I suppose what has occurred is a displacement so of, of the Irish herd over the last decade. So because of that profitability issue, and it was predicted at the start, um, the actual national herd of bovines in Ireland has stayed static at about 7 million head. What has occurred has been because of that, ironically, I would argue, sustainable uh, sustainability issue. You know, farmers make rational, sustainable choices for their social and economic outcome as well as their environmental. So what has hurt, what has happened is that the national sucker herd that emerged with the imposition of quotas in Ireland um, has declined rapidly, whereas the dairy herd has gone up. So we're gone from something like when I started um, in 010 in dairy, the Irish dairy herd was roughly about 1.2 million, 1.15 million. Now it's up to 1.6 million head of dairy cattle alone without followers. So, but we double in size because of those efficiency gains. So actually your carbon emissions per litre of milk produced has reduced, but the fact you've added the bones of half a million cows onto the 26 counties means that your emissions overall from dairy has, has shot up. 
Um, there is an argument, and we are trying to stop a civil war in Ireland that's called a spade a spade. We don't want schism. Agriculture is all counted in one bu- bu- bucket, so there's no specific target for dairy, tillage, beef, sheep, or whatever. We're all in the one legal bucket now, no more than industries or electricity is or transport is. And they're all in these overall buckets overseen by what's called a, a, a Climate Change Advisory Council and a whole set of legislation. So we, we do expect court cases to come out of that in the future. But what we are trying to avoid is, is any fratricidal civil war between any sectors of Irish agriculture. And, and there is, there's no point in saying any, anything other than there, than there is tension because other sectors of Irish agriculture see dairy increasing and they're decreasing. So you could argue that Irish beef has reduced by 25% in recent years. But So we're just trying to avoid that. Just for reference, by the way, um, the clock has already started. It's a 2018 baseline year. That's the legal, just for, for uh, listeners who might be interested. It's a 2018 baseline year. Um, and so we're, we're already four years into that agriculture budget and we're, we're pretty static. Is the is the is the um, is the results after four years? We haven't gone up or down, maybe marginally up because of dairy growth. So you've mentioned the, the sort of sector by sector targets, but the the twenty five percent is that is that twenty five percent per farm, or is it looking across an industry level? So I mean, we'll have some, will some have a higher reduction and some have a lower reduction, or is it how does it work? So it's it's across the whole industry, which causes huge issues as well because. What does 25%? You might as well send to a farmer 99% because it means nothing to your individual farmer. So I suppose what have we been doing with that process? So we we do these um, every five years. We bring out an agri-food strategy in Ireland. The current one's called Food Vision. It was just completed last year. And as part of that, um, there's now Food Vision Dairy Group. So you have all the stakeholders, let's say industry from our perspective, the farm organisations, the scientific organisations, the relevant arms of government around in a room since the start of the year, because we always knew we were going to have the range 22 to 30. So we started getting cracking on those plans and having some sort of deal with government. So it's available online for those of you who are nerdy enough to go and look for these type of things, but the, the draft document is already out. But because we had no firm target, we're, we're, we're caught around 18% in that plan for the dairy industry and the beef industry and the, and the equivalent group, for example. But to your point, I actually believe it's got, going to mean a jot to your average Irish farmer until they get an on-farm carbon balance sheet per farm. That is accredited by what what who's going to be our new god is what's called the Irish Environmental Protection Agency, who are the arbiters of the emissions figures. So until I say my father in Limerick gets a sheet of paper and one sheet says, Donald, your your emissions per your farm is two hundred ton equivalent. We want to bring you on a journey two hundred and fifty ton. So these these are the actions you have to do. So we're quite even though we're the industry side. And we, we actually have a much higher target, by the way. The Irish dairy industry has a 35% target, which you which we'll maybe do another day. But like until an individual farm knows its carbon score, knows where it gets to, I don't see us moving to die in any huge way. I was just going to ask then, Connor, is that is that how the carbon budget is measured on a whole farm basis as opposed to on a per kilo of output or 
you know, yeah. the so, of outcome. We, we have a lot of programs in Ireland. So we have a lot, a lot going right in Ireland, as you know, even from, from particularly around dairy in terms of the social, economic and environmental stuff. Our problem is we've grown rapidly at a time when legislation comes in where you're getting these overall emission reductions targets. And like, don't even start me on the carbon leakage argument that UK and, and Irish farmers, because if you were to create dairy anywhere on this planet, it would be Ireland, the UK and New Zealand. And they should plow on because you actually are going to have less global warming. But that's that's a whole argument that that has been made moot with all this new legislation, which is coming down the line for you guys as well, may I add. But um, in terms of how the measurements are done, they're done at a national level. So you got your environmental protection agency who literally tots up the cows, tots up the the slurry from those cows, tots up the fertilizers, tots up the feed, tots up the the fuel used, a whole. I think there's about a thousand reference points and they come up with this figure that Irish agriculture comes up. I think that off the top of my head, it's 23 million tonnes of carbon um, uh, equivalent. So therefore, that's how it's done. So that means nothing to farmers. It really, really doesn't mean anything. Like we, we, can, we can move the dial on things like using protected urea is going to be big in Ireland, for example. So you can really cut back a lot of, uh, uh, you know, there's opportunity there. The technology exists around fertilizer. But 66% of, of our agri emissions are from methane. So they're from cows per head. So the argument and the public debate in Ireland is the inevitability of herd culling or not. And we're doing moving heaven and earth to say, well, that's completely off the table. That's completely off the table for a number of reasons. So a long way to go. John, Connor mentioned that we might be expecting something similar in the UK before long. Your comments on that? Well, <laughs> I've got a couple of points, actually. One is I, I, I do see the threats and, I, and you can't get away from it. And we've covered it in numerous episodes so far. Uh, with the podcast, but I, I just want to put in front of you, Connor, something that we've encountered in the UK, that actually it, it seems that the Climate Change Committee in the UK may be looking at the basis that we consume less dairy in the UK, but we can carry on producing more dairy. And I just wonder how much your problem is a European problem, because the UK now is out doing its own thing. And it looks as though the UK might be allowed to carry on producing just as much milk and maybe more and do it more efficiently, by the way, and do it with a lower carbon footprint. But at present, we don't seem to be as so antagonistic towards the dairy sector, maybe as you are. And I've been shocked by hearing reports of how you've got Greens stopping planning permission for new sites in uh, Ireland uh, for dairies and things. So, yeah, is, is some of this coming down from the EU and the, therefore the Irish government and people adopting it because, well, it's part of being in the EU and we have to do that? That's the first question. So I've got another one then in a minute. Yeah, OK, I'll try to be quick. Um, yeah, there is an element to that, certainly, John. Um, obviously, there's EU legislation called Fit for 55. So basically, it's looking for 55% uh, uh, emissions cut by 2030 from the EU. Um, so look, we'd be so a lot of what um, if you were talking to the Greens, they use that excuse a lot. Sure, the EU are going to impose it anyway. So why don't we get ahead and not be climate laggards? All this kind of lecturing that you get at times, and and remember that whole. And I think it's the same in 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 UK as well. 
There's an element of not just green ideology, but vegan ideology being fused in, in terms of it. So even if there was technology in the morning to reduce emissions by 70%, it wouldn't be happy. John, there'd be elements there who wouldn't be happy because they want to legislate for a reduction of animal agriculture. Let's let's call a spade. That's that's a key issue in our debate in Ireland, and I think it's common to what we have across yourselves. Um, regarding the EU piece, yeah, certainly I think you've hit the nail on the head there, but um, you're closer to UK stuff, so I do think the UK have been arm in arm with the EU in terms of those emissions targets. I think you're very close, 50% and net zero by 2050, I think is fairly standard now by advanced Western economies. So the, the, then the political debate is how is that um, um, apportioned out to different industries? And the Greens have certainly seen this as a huge defeat, that the, agri, the big agri lobby has been successful in getting half the ambition of, 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 of emissions reduction for agriculture, 25%, whereas other sectors of the economy like energy and transport have between 50 and 75%. So they're actually painting it that we're after getting an inverted commas free pass. And, and I think you're going to have those types of debates in the UK as well. Um, but um, you're much closer to the knee. But like you'd always led the way, and like it's been often referenced by our Greens that you're the example of what's happening in the UK. Oh, sure, Northern Ireland and England and Scotland and Wales, they're going to have a higher ambition. Are we going to be have less ambition over there? The big change is, is the, the, the huge outsized agri kind of component of our emissions. That's the big change. I, I, I would I would argue, and I think it's a in really interesting debate that we're starting to have here, because I, I would think that Dairy UK in the UK um, processors, we're, and we've had uh, Ash on the uh, podcast and uh, as chairman, and, and I think I, I put this to you. Should we, should you and we, because I think we're all in this together, embrace this and say, yeah, we'll buy this. Yeah, we'll do a 25, 30% reduction. Yeah, because we'll lead the way and we're, we'll be part of global cooling because what we're doing is that we're going to be good for the environment. Yeah, so you can carry on eating your dairy and your beef and your meat, hopefully with, with, with no, no conscience. Yeah, don't worry about it because we're doing the right things, right? That's one thing. And then the, the delivery of it, I would have said, in, in the UK, we have got the 30% reduction by 2030, and we actually have got potentially in our plans more from less, i.e. fewer animals in the UK, but producing more. So in doing that, we actually retain our license to operate, and that's what I was trying to say earlier. Therefore, you don't need we don't need to shrink our output of dairy in total, do we? Fewer animals, but they will be more productive animals. And isn't that an option for you in Ireland? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we, we're in a global market. I don't see you as the Irish. You used to be a threat to us because you take our market. I think you're far more interested now in taking global markets. And we'll be there with you because I agree with you. We should be. Uh, we're, we're a team, aren't we? In a way, we can take more global markets. So that should be where our focus should be. Should we be more positive and proactive about this campaign? But absolutely, and like a, a, in our own press statement, in terms of our own board, should be the CEOs of, of, of the Irish primary processors. That was our attitude. We said, 
I think we were the only agricultural organizations that didn't lambast the this announcement. We said, look, this is usually difficult, but at least now we have a target. And, and also the business side of the element. Joe, if you were talking about it as CEOs, what do they want? Anyone, it was like the Brexit argument, it's certainty we want. We want an answer. If we get a target, we'll, we'll do it. We think 25% is usually ambitious, but now we have it, let's embrace it. Because exactly as you said, John, it does give us license to operate. Um, so that would be our attitude. And look, we are working with the farm organisations who have rejected this so far. Um, but I think they're real, they're, there's real politique sinking in there. And I think in by 2030, we look back at it and say, well, Jesus, Irish agriculture got a good deal. And we're no longer, you know, it ends the culture war. You know, there's a deal done by government, really with an ENGO now or an e-lobby group. You can kind of say, well, we have a deal done with the government now. Simple as this. Now we're into implementation phase. Judge us whether we're getting to that target or not. And also look at other sectors of the economy, and that gives allows us then our license to operate. Connor, is the um is the Irish government providing any any additional sort of advisory service or any additional help um yeah. to help farmers along this path? So with that, um, thanks, Ben. So with that, um, uh, food vision dairy negotiation, the government are in the room with us and all stakeholders. So at the moment, you might have even noticed that there is a proposal for a retirement scheme of about five thousand euro per cow if someone wants to get out. Because we made it clear that that John, you know, that John, you know, there's some farmers who might want to get out and want to retire. So there is that element on the table. Um, the um, Food Vision Dairy Group has 18 recommendations in draft with the government at the moment. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, work yet to do regarding who will fund this. And it will be government funding, will be farmer funded, will be industry funded. But we're looking at, at huge money if there is going to be, um, um, let's say, cutbacks that are there. Because it's not like you know, the, let's say, energy where you can get you know, existing technologies such as solar or wind to decarbonize. As, as of yet, all the technology is really around fertilizer reduction in terms of protected urea and usage of fertilizer. In the methane side, which is going to be the key, you really have only uh, tree knock. And that's very, very um, early days. And actually, ironically, for a pasture, grass-based dairy economy, no good because it's at present any tree up uh, technologies that are available are only for um, indoor herds. So our usual competitive advantage at present is is being weaponized against us. Connor, the Irish processors have spent a small fortune investing in processing to mop up the the milk that you've produced over the last decade. Are we now going to see the closure of processing because there's not going to be enough milk? No. Um, so we've invested two billion euros um, since uh, the end of quarters on, on on processing. So that's the equivalent. John, if, John, the UK is nine times the size of our economy, so that's the equivalent of just under John, eighteen billion pounds. Just to put it in in in, in context, so. Our guys are comfortable. So what we're looking to is retain. So we've been staying steel available for what we have at the moment, which is just in the Republic, just a fraction under 9 billion litres of milk at present. Remember, we came from 5.3 billion, you know, at the end, just to put it in context. So um, 
We've had our nose bloodied. We've gone to the Supreme Courts, as has been alluded to here. We just had a victory there about three months ago with the Glombia plant in Bellevue, which is a big plant uh, joint venture with a Dutch company called Aware to, to mop up another half billion litres of milk around that area. And remember, uh, dairy in, in Ireland is very much concentrated in the south and southeast of the country. So there's actually a lot more potential for dairy expansion in the west um, and things like that. So we've cooperatives and processors up there who are kind of, hey guys, we have capacity up here. So that debate is growing. So we're probably going to have to maybe more clever where we grow milk and retire milk and kind of work together as a processing industry with our farmers, suppliers around that. But um, the people are very relaxed. I think with this deal now, we do feel that we can do more with less. Um, it won't mean 25% colour cows. We don't believe that for one second. There might be some, in terms of retirements, you might have the same new entrance, etc. Remember, it's not only climate, actually, and um, GHG emissions. Water, I would say, is, is a huge thing in Ireland at the start. So we, we have a nitrates directive. Um, we've um, you know, work to do with our male dairy calves. What do we do at the moment? We just literally ship them off. You know, so we're going to have to look at that. So there's a lot of issues uh, over and above the 25% target that will probably taper up our growth. And from what our guys said, we, we do have capacity for growth in Irish processing. We don't see any mothballing of any plants. We do see with the efficiency gains that we can, with science, probably increase by about 1% to 1.5% a year with genetic gains, with efficiency gains, while at the same time maintaining the current herd. But behind the scenes there, we can do, do huge work around um, nitrous oxide and methane emissions on farm to cut that down and reach 25%. So that's our that's our... That's our goal. That's our. That's our. Uh, you know. Um. That's that's really where we'd like to position Irish farmers and retain that competitive advantage that we have at the moment. That your average Irish dairy farm with ninety cows can make that middle class lifestyle, while at the same time maintaining our 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 international standing and looking at going up the value chain in terms of maybe moving away from from you know, commodity products and going up a lot. Yeah, I I would just come in as well, Chris. I I, I tell you what, I, I think if I was a and there's a lot of Irish abattoir owners in the UK uh, as, as well as in Ireland because uh, that's for some reason that seems to be where they originate uh, all the money as. Uh, but I would have been more worried about owning an abattoir than be owning a dairy plant in Ireland because yeah. I I, th- I, th- I think that the I agree. The, the, the move towards renewable protein coming out of dairy cows is probably still in, in a good place to produce milk is probably uh, more positive than one trying to produce beef off a suckler cow. And I think I think the beef and the suckler herds is far more of a threat. And uh, that's what we were seeing in Scotland this week. You know, I think they're far more concerned about those issues than they would be about dairy. And that, in, in some ways, it, as I said earlier, it probably creates opportunities the transfer from dairy uh, from beef to dairy. Mm. Connor, can I just ask you um, about environmental measures and and carbon sequestration and, and things that farmers are doing on their own individual farms? Renewable energy, for instance, will all that be taken into account? Um, the emissions uh, reduction. Absolutely, key question and great question. Will um, it is a source of maximum frustration 
that the way carbon is accounted for is that we get zero credit for sequestration in Ireland and also in terms of renewable energy. So when this was trying to be sold to us by, you probably saw it in the, in the, in the kind of reportage that there was going to be some deal with farmers to get grants to do AD anaerobic digestion and solar in particular, and maybe to a lesser extent wind on barn. And then there was confusion. We thought we were after breaking a barrier to say, oh my God, we're actually going to be credited mm-hmm. for work in terms of those environmental emissions um, and our carbon balance sheet on farm, which is certainly philosophy we would like to get to because we think it's the only way to Irish agriculture will get to net zero if, if, if we get sequestration and, and those type of efforts. And disappointingly, it was kind of corrected. Firstly, you had overexcited ministers saying, yes, we are after doing a deal that, yes, on-farm energy is going to be counted towards it. And then uh, the Greens kind of came out and, and threw cold water and said, no, no, what we mean is we're going to grant AT in theory, with no plan, by the way, but there's going to be a huge grant aid for farmers, temporary solar and AD, but that saving is going to the energy bucket. And we've argued, well, that makes no sense whatsoever because to grow the crop, let's say if if it's grass, the farmer's still going to be counted for the emissions for that and any savings on the AD, for example, just to use the AD example, goes into the energy bucket. So it's a kind of crazy situation, mm-hmm. but I do think pennies are starting to drop about the absolute unfairness regarding the accountancy around farming. Be mm-hmm. that Miles Allen, GWP Star, be that sequestration. We've lots of hedgerows in Ireland. Those of you who come over, none of them are counted. So a farm could be about just 15% hedgerows, for example. Not None of that's accounted. Wow. And, and also the energy element. So I do think there is a realisation of, of, of principles of justice and fairness that mm. why isn't the farmer being credited for this action? Mm. So we'll see how we do. I think we're fairly locked in with current calculations, the same same as E in terms of IPCC and Kyoto Protocols and Paris to 2030. But I do think there, 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 there remains a huge um, opportunity for both the likes of the Dairy UKs, the NFUs, the Irish associations to really drive on that into the future. Mm. Because we, we genuinely think we can get to net zero. Net zero beef, just to maybe maybe John's point, I think net zero beef is actually very attainable. Net zero dairy is more difficult, but I do think it's in our grasp if we get our lobbying um, ducks in a row. Mm. Okay. John, um, what should dairy farmers in the UK take from all this i mean i mean if you're listening now having your cornflakes in the morning after just getting in from milk and where's your head after hearing all this (laughs) i'm just trying to visualize myself trying to do some milking (laughs) (laughs) there's plenty plenty of milking jobs going john (laughs) they were happy happy days because actually i kept myself far slimmer when i was doing the milk (laughs) now anyway but uh no, I mean, it, it, I, I would have said actually, uh, um, yeah, you can look on with, you can be a very sour puss and look on with glee and say, oh, aren't we? Isn't it good that we're outside the EU and we see the EU driving these sorts of changes in an Irish economy, and then they're going to shrink, and then a competitor supposedly on the world market is actually going to be in a weaker position, and yeah, we'll be in a better position. I, I, I think you could take a very selfish perspective, but actually I don't take that view. I, I, 
I see as as uh, as as being in solidarity because actually, as I said earlier, yeah, we've always had very good relations with Irish, uh, with the Irish and the Irish economy. I see them as uh, brothers in arms, and we're in the same industry. And I think there's great opportunities. We've done reports in the last year which show the opportunities for exports out there uh, and feeding the world with sustainable dairy nutrition are immense. So we're all in the same boat. And I think we should be helping support each other like we've been talking today and being positive and helping deal with these people who are ill-informed and are going to do a lot of damage to economies and are going to do a lot of damage to human nutrition by following the two legs bad, four legs or whatever it is, good principles. And, And actually, we've got to deal with it. One of the saddest things I've heard today is that word shame. I hate the word shame. It's not a good thing to do to shame people. It's not. We know that, whether it's individuals, but certainly don't shame part of the community and don't shame a country. So I think that you know, we need to take from this, we need to do unity of purpose and we need to learn from each other and support each other to actually get out there in the export markets with our dairy nutrition. That's what I would take from it. Mm. Yeah, well said. Well said. Well, um, that's a really good place to leave it. But um, before we go, um, Connor, I've just got to ask you, I see you wearing your Irish rugby shirt there. What's it feel like to beat the All Blacks? Wales haven't beaten the All Blacks since 1953. <laughs> and you've just done it in New Zealand. I can't even imagine. Well, it's been, it was a shock. We couldn't get it. Um, so it was like going back to 30 years ago where he listened to it on the radio at 8am in the morning. So it was... Like Irish rugby is like it's the fourth sport, as Chris alluded to. Do you know, it's a very much a minority sport, but the team kind of rallies together. Um, a bit like the Welsh scholars overperform from from their from their own perspective. So it was just totally unexpected and very magical. Joe, you know, even just to to have that thing listening at at eight a.m. in the morning, yeah. you know, beside the wireless as we call it in in in. Um, so from the other side of the world. So look, just fantastic. But I suppose the big the big question, are we peaking between World Cups as we usually do? <laughs> That's the worry. All right. Um, That's all we have time for this week. But a very big thank you to our guests, Conor Mulverhill, John Allen, Chris Walkland, and as always, podcast producer, Becky Leach. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. But for now, it's goodbye from all of us here.